everybody it's Erin and Meg and welcome back to our monthly segment well our monthly episode love you read it yeah it's our second love you read it episode so exciting I'm such a dork I re-listened to our first one today oh my god I'm a loser that one was good no it honestly was really good if you guys didn't know obviously last month we just started this monthly episode segment that we're going to be doing so every first Thursday of the month you're going to be getting a book club episode because we get so many asks for book club like just like book recommendations everything under the sun and so we thought this would be really fun because we like talking about books too and we already had a book club just outside of the podcast like just us so this just forces us to read even more yeah no it's really fun and like i think it's a great resource just for people to have like Mm -hmm. aaron said like people are always like oh i don't know what i should read and we're constantly like lending books out to people Mm -hmm. but i feel like this helps and like we do post like stuff about the book so you can like know if you want to read it or not Mm -hmm. and like even if you don't like to read just honestly like listening to podcasts about books are so interesting so relaxing yeah we take Mm -hmm. a lot of inspiration for these episodes from the redheads book club so if you guys are listening to that definitely i mean even if you haven't definitely just go check it out it's really great yeah so the first episode that we did it was then she was gone by lisa jewel and this month's episode was actually meg's pick which is the best part about book clubs is that there's two of us and so one of us is choosing so like next month it's my choice and it's just kind of fun because I feel like I read a lot of similar books and I feel like Meg and I do have similar tastes but she also tends to pick more adventurous books than I do and so this is definitely one that I never would have picked on my own. I don't know if you guys read The Odyssey or The Iliad in high school. I read both. I saw the length of them and I was like oh my god this is gonna suck. I secretly loved it and like I thought it was so interesting and like I just really appreciate when people can make entire stories like that. Mm -hmm. Like just like make shit like literally pull shit out of their asses like i know i think about that all the time when i think about like the bible and oh my god too. yeah right i'm, I'm like, like who wrote this i'm like, like, I'm like and, who wrote this and the detail like yeah i'm just like i don't even so i just really appreciate fiction writers i think it's really cool honestly shout out to my boy homer for writing those right? classic works the fact that we're reading them <laughs> just like homer literally sorry thousands i know <laughs> the fact that we're reading them like thousands of years later is just wild. really stands the test of time greek culture is low-key the shit i know um, so i don't know i like i just literally i'm obsessed like hercules is my favorite disney oh movie God, of all time it's so good definitely if you guys though aren't really that into greek mythology and you're looking for more of a modern one i would totally check out alex michaelady's books Mm -hmm. he's the one that wrote the silent patient and the maidens i gave meg the silent patient so hopefully she'll read it soon he writes really great modern stories that have just greek mythology twists or just like greek mythology elements so would definitely recommend but meg's going to talk a little bit about her pick for this month she's going to give you guys a quick summary in case you haven't read the book or you read it a while ago and need a refresher And we'll just get into the episode. I really hope you enjoy. So like we said, this book is called Circe and it's by Madeline Miller. And Circe was one of the characters in the Odyssey. She wasn't like a huge character, but a lot of like works of literature that have come after the Odyssey have mentioned her. So she's like kind of like a literature celebrity. I'd never even heard of her. So oh, never mind. Because <laughs> um, I don't think I read the Odyssey. So well, I mean, like I've I've read like um, I I definitely think like if you've read the Odyssey, you should honestly read this book because like even if you didn't like greek mythology it's just it's just redone in a way that like makes it more like modern even though it's like a fiction like a past like yeah. it takes place in the past if that no makes sense. like i read uh the story of icarus mm-hmm. in ap lit in high school and so it was kind of cool i mean we'll talk about that obviously too but like they talk about icarus and cersei mm-hmm. i really want to read her other book the song of achilles because she wrote that five years before this and they talk about achilles in cersei so mm-hmm. yeah so it's kind of like a crossover yeah moment. <laughs> a crossover special like they only me- they only mentioned him for like a, a hot sec but yeah i still think it would be interesting because it's like a collab it's like oh my god is this like a is this a sequel i heard if you like a lot of action and a lot of war 
which I know Meg likes. You would really like the Song of Achilles. No, I don't know. Just like, (laughs) you know, some history. Yeah, no, I I do love like history stuff. I honestly like wasn't going to pick this book, but like, like I I had like a couple other like more like murder books that I was going to pick, but I was like. Murder books. I was like, I feel like this is so like different and I normally wouldn't like read it by myself. Like maybe I would, maybe I wouldn't, but like I just thought it would be like a different fun pick. It's so much more Um, fun to talk about it with other people. Yeah, and that that's the whole thing too and i'm like i so i had the basis for it so whatever i'm just gonna stop talking i'm gonna get into the summary cersei is a divine daughter of the titan helios and naiad percy if you don't know what a naiad is it's kind of like a they're not goddesses they're like lower than that like they're they're above humans they're very like there's different kinds of naiads like so you can be like a river naiad or like an ocean naiad or a forest naiad so they're just like women they're very feminine they're very like in touch with nature they're very pretty but apparently they've been like raped a lot and stuff that's like really common for them to be like abused so i mean that sucks but (laughs) we'll get into that later i guess yeah um deemed unattractive and powerless from birth that's literally me um (laughs) sorry (laughs) cersei's early life is lonely until she falls in love with the mortal fisherman glaucos oh my god fucking glaucos literally literally hated him um devastated by his mortality cersei discovers a way to make him a god wait first i guess we should say this so cersei is like a half god mm-hmm. she's kind of like a demigod but they do call her like a goddess yeah because like her her father is a titan so she is immortal by yeah. the way i don't i don't know if that said this she's basically like hey i really like this guy but he's mortal um so she turns him into a god and that turns him into his quote-unquote true form using the sap of magical flowers grown in soil that was once soaked with the blood of the titan Kronos. If you don't know who Kronos is, he's like a big, big deal. Big deal. Go look it up. Arrogant in his divinity, however, Glaucos rejects Cersei in favor of the nymph Skyla. I think it's Skyla. I think. Yeah, also this might be really rough with the pronunciation, so just give us a break. Yeah, I can only pronounce like half of them, Yeah. so it's it's rough. I should like look at those YouTube videos that will like, tell you Scylla. how to pronounce things. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, Sila. Sila. It just says it for like five minutes straight. Oh my god. So I'm just going to say Sila because yeah. I don't know. Cersei's jealousy causes her to use the flower's magic again, accidentally transforming Sila into a bloodthirsty six-headed monster. Dude, and she sounded so scary in the she, book. <laughs> she literally sounded so so like grody i don't even know um so remorseful cersei confesses her deeds to helios which is her daddy uh who realizes all of his children with percy are witches capable of extracting power with herbs and droughts as punishment for admitting her witchcraft cersei is banished by zeus to eternal exile on the island of aia she uses the beginning of her exile to study and hone her witchcraft, tending gardens, and experimenting with drafts. Over the centuries she spends on Aiea, yeah, she was literally there for like hundreds like, of hundreds years. Hundreds of like literally thousands literally, of years. Like, literally she was there so forever. long. She was there for so long. Um, Cersei interacts with many mythic figures. Uh, she receives visits from the Olympian god Hermes. Oh my god, who sounded like a total hockey, he by the way. Like a literal fox, but... I wanted to bang Hermes. What? <laughs> <laughs> or does the French say Hermes? <laughs> okay i'm gonna out myself so my little sister she knows so much about greek mythology and i we were going she read this no but we were going to a family party on saturday Mm -hmm. and i was in the car and i was reading it in my ipad and i was like i was like h-e-r-m-e-s hermes she was like it's hermes <laughs> no, well, Hermes has like the accent yeah, over the no, E, I know. so that's I, how you I just tell. wanted to embarrass myself on the public really quick. Hermes, <laughs> um, I'm literally showing up dripping in Hermes. I know. Um, okay, so she basically bangs Hermes, which I was like, okay. okay. And they had like this kind of like long term affair, I would say, and yeah. he would literally just like. He just sounded like such a fuckboy, like, in the hottest way. I was like, okay. She's escorted off the island by the mortal Daedalus. Daedalus? I'm going to say Daedalus. At the request of Cersei's sister and the queen of Crete, Pasiphae. During the brief visit to Crete, Cersei helps her sister birth the Minotaur, which I know y'all have heard of. I was at least shook. And uses her witchcraft to help tame the monster. Many years later, the hero Jason and his wife, the witch Medea, who's Cersei's niece, arrive on Aia after having stolen the golden fleece from Cersei's brother, Aedes. Also, can we just talk about, like, I was literally laughing. Like, it was, like, Pasiphae, Cersei, Medea, 
Jason. <laughs> I was like, what? No, I know. It's well, I also loved like Percy Jackson. You yeah. know, it was like literally everyone had these cool ass names and it was just like Percy. Know. Like I know his name was Perseus, but yeah, I'm like so funny. Literally Percy. I was like, good night. <laughs> That's not not a Jason, cool name. Jason, I can't. And this um, like Greek mythology book. <laughs> <laughs> He's really a frat bro. I know. Cersei cleanses them of the crime and warns Medea of Jason's waning interest, but is rebuffed. She's like, hey, girl, he doesn't like you. Yeah, she was like, and she's like, oh my bitch. god, no, we're actually getting married. Yeah. He's, we're so in love. <laughs> Cersei enters a period of loneliness after her confrontation with Medea and is excited to host a group of forlorn sailors that arrive one night on Aia in search of food and rest. However, once the sailors realize that Cersei lives alone on the island with no men to protect her, the ship captain rapes her. Cersei then uses her witchcraft to transform the men into pigs, as she should. Yeah. Um, I mean, there you were. Exactly. She's just bringing them to their true form. Exactly. Cersei bestows the same fate upon hundreds of more sailors who come to her island over the coming years. She's an icon. She's a legend. Mm-hmm. And she, she is, is the moment. moment. Now, come on now. Uh, <laughs> Uh, one particular ship arrives led by the hero Odysseus. Okay. Can we, okay. First of all, I th- thought that Odysseus also sounded like a fucking fox, but he was a short king. No, he was a he, short king. He was really short. No, <laughs> I feel like, like, literally. She kept talking about his, like, short, stocky legs. I was like, oh, no. I was like, Bleh. No, literally, like, there were, like, a bunch of characters that were, like, or, like, even his son was, like, yeah, I was surprised by how short he was. I know. I was, like, like, oh, "Oh, man. I was, like, so, if you don't know who Odysseus is, he's, like, the hero of the Odyssey. Yeah. It's, like, all about him, like, basically going on these adventures and, like, trying to find his way home. Um, So, he charms Cersei into sparing his crew and hosting them on her island over the winter. Odysseus and his crew ultimately stay on Aia for one year during which a romance grows between Cersei and Odysseus. After Odysseus leaves to continue his journey back to Ithaca, Cersei gives birth to a son, Telegonus. Also, I didn't realize that she had a kid, and I literally was, like, crying for her. Like, it was literally so great. Like, because it's, like, I felt like Odysseus was, like, such a great love of her life. Mm -hmm. And then to have, like, a son, even though he didn't know about him, I was like, aww. Yeah, no, like... And, like, also, like, the plot, like, the plot didn't really talk about this, because I guess we could talk about it later, but obviously meg said that she fell into like a really big period of loneliness after medea left because like medea literally came and she was like yeah jason doesn't like you and medea was like and you're a lonely bitch like you're literally <laughs> isolated and you're a fucking yeah. loser and she literally like ripped into her and then she literally went like became depressed so it was just like so like so cute to have her like like see her have like her own son now no i know it was really cute and so like this is tea so odysseus um he's like the king of Ithaca like where he's from and like he has a wife and a child already and he's like literally banging Cersei for like a year yeah his son's name is Telemachus that was cracking me up but she named the the son she had with him Telegonus and I was just like that's kind of a little close bestie yeah okay a little too close for comfort yeah okay so raising the infant Telegonus Cersei quickly realizes that there's something amiss and learns that the goddess Athena threatens her son who by the way was fucking terrifying yeah yeah. Athena's, I would not fuck with her. Cersei casts a spell to protect the island while Telegonus grows. While the teenage Telegonus begs to leave the island to meet his father, Cersei acquires the tale of the stingray god Trigon and begrudgingly sends her son off, armed with armed with the tail atop a spear. When Telegonus meets his father, however, Odysseus attacks him and, and is accidentally killed by the poison spear. Guilty Telegonus returns home with Odysseus's wife Penelope and her son Telemachus. Having lost war hero Odysseus, Athena visits Aea to offer her patronage to Telemachus, who refuses her. Telegonus ex- accepts in his stead and embarks on his own heroic journey. Forlorn by the loss of her son, Circe bargains with Helios to negotiate an end to her exile. With Telemachus's help, Cersei uses the poison spear to turn Skyla to stone and collects more of the flowers she once used on Glaucos. Finding love with Telemachus, Cersei uses the flowers' magic on herself with the intention of becoming mortal and living out her days traveling with Telemachus. I thought that was so beautiful. Yeah, the ending Them was just ending so together. Good. Yeah. Like, yes, it's weird that, like, she is like fucking her 
ex-lover's son, son yeah. who is also her ch- her son's bro- older brother. Yeah. Like, it's a little it's a little it, weird. It's a little weird, but, but also, it's, 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 it's Greek, Greek mythology. mythology. No, this shit is so weird. Like, yes. Oedipus fucking his mom. Like, yeah. we've seen way worse, y'all. So, it's, it's... Also, if you've watched Game of Thrones, like, this is literally nothing. Yeah, this is nothing. Our next segment, now that we kind of talked about the summary we're each going to pick a quote that we liked that we thought that i mean it could be anything that you like or something that sums up the story i have mine so i'm just going to share it really quick mine kind of was towards the end of the story and this is one that i loved like so for me i have a goodreads account i can link it down below if you guys want to follow me but i have a goodreads account and basically i write like reviews and like rate every single book that i read and i start off every single review with a favorite quote that i had and i highlighted a lot of quotes as i was reading but it wasn't really until i got to the end that i was like wow this quote really hit so i'm gonna read it for you guys quote cersei he says it will be all right i listened to his breath warm upon the night air and somehow i'm comforted he does not mean that it does not hurt he does not mean that we are not frightened, only that we are here. This is what it means to swim in the tide, to walk the earth and feel it touch your feet. This is what it means to be alive. This was like right after she was like taking the flowers to like become mortal again. And like she was with Telemachus and he was like, after they went through literally all this stu- like stuff, turned the fucking beast to stone and everything. And he was like, girl, like it's going to be fine. So I, I don't know. I just thought that was really beautiful and really summed up the story very well. Yeah, I feel like this is just like, a quote that really like sums up i guess like the moral of the story which is like feminism here's the quote it is a common saying that women are delicate creatures flowers eggs anything that may be crushed in a moment's carelessness if i had ever believed it i no longer did and so like i think when she was younger she like really struggled with like being a woman and like finding her place in like a man's world and also she like wasn't a god so she didn't really like fit in either so but like once she moved to the island and like literally was just living her best life by herself she like really came into her own and like was able to grow her power and like i just think that's really cool that she did that honestly during this pandemic the one place i would like to travel to is aia and just be there like by myself with all these like she had a pet lion and like pet wolves and like she just was bowling with her son and like i was like i would just bring like thousands of books and just read no like she literally just hung out like near the ocean every day and was like in contact with nature exactly like, that sounds amazing i know no one bothering her it wow. sounds great can't really seriously but if you guys listen to our normal weekly episodes we do a segment every single week where we talk about what we're loving and what we're hating and we do not skip that when it comes to love you read it so we're going to be talking about what we loved and what we hated about the book and we always get the negative shit out of the way first so we're going to talk about what we hated which was very little yeah so really the content of this book was just so good like i don't have anything content wise something that like also is annoying with greek mythology is like the amount of characters and Mm -hmm. like the pronunciation of the names if i were greek this story would be a lot easier to read yeah but unfortunately i'm not so i I do really appreciate though that meg also pointed this out that at the end of the book there was a glossary of all the character Mm -hmm. names i didn't really find myself turning to it that much i did enjoy that a lot of the times with the different eras of her life kind of each character kind of stayed in an era mm-hmm. and they it wasn't like oh i'm at the beginning and there's ermy like her, her hermes. hermes and there wasn't hermes and then like um he like was at the end too i don't know i just felt like it was a little bit easier but meg and i also talked about before we started the episode that something that i found a little hard at times was the fact that for the good majority of the book i would honestly say like 85 percent of the book is her on this island i did find it a little bit difficult at times but at the other on the other hand meg did make make a good point that it does really show a lot about madeline miller as an author the fact that there was pretty much one location like not even like different sides of the island like it was like basically one corner of the island mm-hmm. that she was on and the fact that like a good 85 percent of the story was told from the water either right there or from the island right there and i was still able to be like entertained and still feel like i learned a lot i feel like really says a lot about like madeline miller as an author one thing i wish this book had were footnotes oh yeah i would rather take the glossary out of the book and do footnotes just to like 
Because, like, I literally read this shit in high school. Yeah. So, I, yes, I remembered it, but I wanted, like, a quick refresher while I was reading it. And I feel like footnotes would have been really nice. Yeah, I so, definitely think this book is is possible to be read if you're, like, me and have zero Greek mythology knowledge. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like it does kind of almost talk about it in a way, like, kind of Greek mythology for dummies. But also, I feel like it, like you said, it would be way better to have footnotes. Yeah, because, like, you could, just reading it, you're like, oh, like, I remember this theme. This looks familiar. And, yeah. like, but you have to go, like, out of your way to, like, read the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, but I, I, I do think that she did a good job, like, putting it in layman's terms mm-hmm. and, like, telling you their story. But sure. I, I'm just that bitch that, like, likes to go back and, like, reference things. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And when it comes to what we loved about the book, honestly, there were so many things I loved. I loved the dialogue. I loved the characters. I loved her character development, especially, like we said, coming from somebody who was born and was looked upon as being, like, worthless and ugly and, like, really having nothing going for her. And towards the end where she's just, like, really coming to her own and she has her son and, like, her new mans and, like, she really just, like, knows who she is and comes to terms with being a witch and all of her powers and everything i thought it was really beautiful and like a great story of feminism and i really just loved like the relationship that she had with all of the characters whether it be like her dad who didn't give a fuck about her and like her son i don't know i just thought it even like her pet lion like i just thought it was really beautiful yeah honestly the character development was like top tier like can't say enough good things about that also i just loved like effort that she put into writing this book like you can tell that she did a ton of research it felt like a research paper but like like one that i wanted to read but it just felt like it it felt like i was honestly reading somebody's like thesis like i think she did a really good job of like keeping true to like the Mm -hmm. authenticity of the tales but also like putting her own spin on it like in the odyssey like when Odysseus like shows up at her island and like she turns like the crew into pigs or whatever like they didn't mention like why she did that they just said that she did that basically because she could yeah but the fact that Madeline Miller like made up a story about how she got raped and Mm -hmm. there was like a whole backstory about why she did that like I really appreciated her taking those like artistic liberties and like doing it in a way that like honors the character 100% but now the most exciting part. We're going to get into our discussion question. So I, you, I believe you pulled these from Madeline Miller's website, correct? Um, I found them from a couple different sources. Okay, so cool. some of them are from Madeline Miller. Some of them are just like, you know. I'm excited. I don't know any of them. So I feel like this will make a great discussion. Okay, so we kind of talked about this a little bit. But before reading Cersei, did you know the character of Cersei from Homer's Odyssey? If so, what do you remember about her? Uh, so like I said, I actually... I mean, I feel like I really don't think I read the Odyssey and I'd actually never heard of her. I knew that. Uh, I mean, over the past like month or so, I've been seeing people post about this book on Goodreads and I knew it was like a story of feminism, but I had no idea like what place she had in the whole like Greek mythology world. I just remember, um, I literally just remember her like little blurb, like Odysseus just being on her island and like chilling for a whole year. Yeah. Like just like she, she's so dope. Imagine having some fucking, like, frat come to your house and stay for an entire year. Yeah. Like, all the shit that she, she fed them every night. I was like, girl. You're brave. You're you're dope. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, you're literally the ultimate woman. She's literally the hostess with the most in. Literally. She invented hostessing. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. I didn't, like, again, they didn't really, like, expand a ton about her. There mm-hmm. was, like, a little, like, section about her. But, like, I just think it's so cool that the author blew up her story and just like expanded it so much when she really didn't have a lot to work from. So the next question is, Cersei struggles to find a place for herself as a woman in a man's world. What parts of her experience resonate with modern day challenges that women face? I don't know. I feel like just like so many aspects of it, of like not being taken seriously, especially women that are in like male dominated fields, like not being taken seriously, feeling like you're not good enough and just like feeling like you're looked at differently that and like also like being valued by your looks being compared to other women around you like especially like her mother and her sister and i know like that was really hard for her and and, like having sisters and stuff like growing up like i did the same thing like like it's natural to like compare yourself to like your friends or your sisters you know um also i think just like having power but like people being afraid of you and like not knowing how to deal with you and they like treat you different Mm -hmm. and you might like 
end up alone because of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think a lot of women in, like, positions of power, like, maybe you're high up at a company. Like, I'm sure a lot of people are super intimidated by them. Yeah. And, you know, they might find it hard to have, like, simple conversations because of their elevated status. But, mm-hmm. like, they're just, you know, regular people trying to, like, make connections with people. Yeah. And so a lot of, the, for a lot of the book, like, yeah, Cersei was really powerful, but she was really lonely. Yeah. And I think that's something that, like, a lot of women have to deal with. It's, like, you either belittle yourself and, like, have people around you or, like, you live up to your potential and are alone. Well, and I feel like another another thing, too, though, is that, like, the world of Greek mythology and just, like, her family and everything put so much value on child like childbearing oh, yeah that's and like giving birth and everything and like she didn't like she was alive for hundreds thousands of years before she even had her son and so like people looked at her differently and judged her and like her own sister and her own brother had had dozens of kids at that point and so i people definitely looked at her differently but i thought it was cool that she went after what she wanted and said and like focused on her craft and like finding herself before she just gave in to what everybody else wanted her to do yeah like she literally was grinding for like hundreds (laughs) of years and like was working her way up instead of just like being an orifice for children Mm -hmm. so like i thought that was really cool she's just a she's just a fucking baddie i I love her okay the next question is essential theme of homer's odyssey is a longing for nostos which means homecoming in what way does that theme resonate with cersei's story it's hard because she was exiled obviously on aia and like she was all by herself and over time like that became her home and like even when she was allowed to leave the island she did come back like and go back to it like as her own home and it was interesting to see like odysseus like when he came to Aia, like he didn't even want to go home you know yeah and like when his wife came to the island like after odysseus was dead and stuff and she and cersei like had conversations about like odysseus and stuff and like she was talking about how like how much odysseus like spoke about the island and like Mm -hmm. how well he spoke of cersei and like i just thought that was really nice like he only had like nice things to say about her yeah but yeah i don't know i think the whole story is like being disconnected from home but also like finding a new home for herself yeah and even like a new home like within herself with her new like her own family that like she made for herself within like penelope and telemachus and telegonus like i think it's something that a lot of people today can relate to because like maybe you don't have like the best relationship with your family and you go off on your own and you're like thriving and you're like meeting new people and you make them your family or it's like maybe you have a hard time being away from your family but you're like doing you and like working on yourself and that's a good thing so i think this theme of like homecoming and like trying to find your home i think a lot of people can relate to that just Mm -hmm. reading the story okay the next question we have is when cersei is discovered to be a witch she is treated very differently than her brother why and then there's a part two did this book make you think about witch hunts or the persecution of women as witches i feel like it's the fact that she was a woman and the fact that she was the one that came forward and said that she was a witch especially with the whole thing with Scylla, Scylla, whatever whatever that bitch uh, <laughs> that, that whole thing with her like people saw her i feel like as obviously a woman and being so jealous and like doing that out of emotion they just expected her to be different and have different powers you know i just think it's cool though because she was like the most powerful yeah out of all of them like she literally turned a mortal into a god which is like something that like only gods can do yeah and she's not a god and so like i know the gods are like afraid of witchcraft because that's not something that's like divinely given that's like something that you like work on and stuff like that so they were just afraid of that like no otherworldly power and like the fact that they gave her brother like a whole like city to rule yeah and like they banished her like no it's it's just like the juxtaposition sucks and like especially because she like acted like he was her son because they had such an age gap Mm -hmm. like she looked at him as like being like a part of her and like they were so close and then all of a sudden it just like blew up in her face yeah so i mean that was sad like she literally the whole like book was just her getting like fucked over yeah and like obviously like until the end but like 
it was it was a rough couple it, it was, hundred it was, years for her. It was a rough lifetime. Yeah, she she was having a rough time. It did make me think of the persecution of women. Um, like I know during like the Salem witch trials, any woman that was like different or like if if I was like pissed off at Aaron, I could be like fuck this bitch. I saw her like talking to the devil last night through her window, and she could get put to death. Yeah. Like it's it's literally <laughs> fucked up. Like how when there's like a powerful person especially a woman like it can create so much chaos and like other people feel threatened like and they feel like they're gonna lose their power so they have to stifle someone else and like that's literally what happened to her it's happened to hundreds of women throughout history it's literally still happening right now yeah so i mean i don't have i don't have a problem with witches I y'all, think they're pretty cool. Y'all practice witchcraft and like, bet. Yeah, just you. leave me alone. Don't curse me, though. Just don't turn me into a monster. Love you, besties. <laughs> <laughs> the next question we have is, when a sailor rapes Cersei, she starts turning men who land on her island into pigs with a spell. In Homer's Odyssey, this transformation is perhaps Cersei's most famous scene in that whole tale. How did Miller's reimagining cause you to think differently about the story? I kind of talked about this a little bit before, but I think it just, like, was really beautiful how she, like, repurposed the material and, like, made it relevant for today. Yeah. Because, like, going back and reading that in high school, I was like, oh, bet. Like, like, oh, she's crazy. She turned, like, (laughs) these men into pigs. I was like, that's funny and cool, but, like, that's not relevant to me in 2021. But, like, the reasoning why she did it, and it was, like, a defense mechanism, and she was, like, tired of people taking advantage of her and like being nice like uh, uh, like she was tired of being too nice and stuff like i really resonated with that and like i really appreciate like what she did yeah no i mean i think you made perfect sense just the fact that like when you're i mean obviously i didn't read the odyssey like i said but when you're like you were explaining it to me it's obviously it just seems like she did it out of nowhere but it's like there's always like a motive and there's always like a reason behind everything and ob- and obviously yeah. as a woman we can as like as women we can relate to that. Yeah, no, just I just as like a human being, like you don't have to be a woman to be upset that someone gets raped. Oops. Yeah, people that aren't women get raped all the time too. Yeah. So Thank you. Stop raping people. Period. <laughs> the next question we have is Cersei wonders if parents can ever see their children clearly. She notes that so often when looking at our children, we only see the mirror of our own faults. What parts of herself does she see when she looks at Telegonus? What are her strengths and weaknesses as a parent to him? Yes, I literally felt like that was 100% true. I feel like especially when it came to when she was first raising him and he was like a newborn and he was like so psycho and he was like psycho and so like fitful and had so much rage because I feel like for so long she had that too, especially when Mm -hmm. it came to the whole Sila and the whole glauco story like Mm -hmm. she had so much rage and like pent-up anger from like her family and all of that and especially because she had such a horrible mother like she saw reflected so much of herself into him i felt like and totally saw him as a mirror for herself i think that is also something like that a lot of like gen z's and millennials can relate to too as well because like like i'm an avid tiktoker yeah but a lot of people kind of like unpack their traumas Mm -hmm. from like childhood and like how their parents like it seems to be a pattern of like baby boomers and like gen xers to project their insecurities like onto us like their children and it's like literally if you talk to anyone like 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 they're, they're like oh yeah like my parents were like super rough on me and like they always made like comments about like my appearance and like yeah. stuff like that so i think that quote was like so relatable mm-hmm. i think that's like a huge strife that like we have to go through just as like children yeah and i totally feel like her strengths as a parent were obviously like being there for him being a provider like being like somebody that he could turn to but then i feel like also on the other hand one of her weaknesses was definitely her overprotectiveness mm-hmm. like obviously she was living on this island with him for 16 years only him like of course she's going to be attached to him like he's her only son but to some extent like i feel like she did need to allow him not in the icarus sense to fly into the sun but to allow him to like grow his own wings and like leave the nest a little bit the next question we have is Cersei encounters several famous figures from Greek mythology. 
Were any of their portrayals surprising? Well, I mean, Athena was even scarier than what I thought. I didn't realize that Helios was such a dick. Like, I didn't realize that he didn't give a fuck about her. He's literally a fucking scumbag. I thought it was really interesting, though, because so, like, basically, titans and gods, like, they're both, like, really powerful beings, but they're, like, also different. Like, Helios is, like, the god of the sun. Yeah. But also, like, Apollo is, too. So it was, like, kind of confusing. But, like, basically what Helios's job is is to, like, he has a chariot and he, like, rides it across the sky. So, like, he can see, like, everything that's going on, like, down below. And then he has a twin sister named Celine and she's the moon. And she, like, rides her chariot at night so she can see everything. So, I don't know. Like, but I thought it was interesting how they portrayed Helios. Like, just the description of him. They were, like, you can't even, like... Like, a mortal would, like, literally shrivel into dust if they, like, looked at him. Yeah. And I was, like, oh. Like, he's just, like, so bright and, like, shiny and stuff like that. I'm, like, it was just wild. really funny because, like, the day after I finished this, I was, like, driving to work on Monday. And I was just looking at the sun and I was, like, fuck you. And you're, like, <laughs> like fuck you, Helios. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't realize that Odysseus was such a short king. Shoddy. Shoddy. Um, but, yeah, other than that, I mean, I didn't really know. Like, I didn't. No, that's how the Minotaur came to be. So that was really interesting. Yeah, no, that was a really interesting, like, backstory. But I just, yeah, Athena was really scary. Um, Hermes sounds really fucking hot. Yeah, that was really all my opinions, I think. Yeah, Apollo was very, like, he was just there. Like, I wasn't, I was kind of underwhelmed, but. (laughs) (laughs) Underwhelmed by this Greek god. I know, I was like, "Mm, whatever. Um, Okay, the next question we have is, were you surprised when Telemachus refused Athena? Why or why not? Okay, so some backstory, like, I don't think the summary really, like, dug into this, but. Basically, like, Odysseus was Athena's patron. So, basically, that means, like, she was, like, rooting for him and, like, giving him, like, powers and, like, tools and shit. And, like, she wanted him to be, like, this big ruler and, like, take over, like, all of Greece and, like, the world. And, like, you know, she wanted to be, like, the woman behind the man. But, like, he ended up dying. Or, no. But, okay. So, before he died, um, when... Cersei was pregnant with their son she appeared to her and was like um yeah like I gotta kill your son because like like there's this prophecy and like he's like something's gonna happen to like like he's gonna do something like really bad so she was like I'm literally like gonna kill him well yeah and she was like you're gonna thank me for this yeah and she she was like yeah I'm gonna kill your son and then you're gonna say thank you like Athena's literally a fucking psycho but Cersei was like yeah fuck like fuck you he's my kid like no so she casted all these like spells around the island and he survived to adulthood but like Athena was always like watching and stuff yeah um and like trying to like break through the spells but she couldn't and then when he eventually leaves when um Telegonus leaves the island to like go visit his dad because he's never met him yeah his dad doesn't even know about him um so he was sailing to Ithaca like Cersei gave him all these like protective spells and stuff to like have on with him so that like Athena couldn't like mess with him but so he ended up killing his dad the prophecy came true and then so Athena was pissed that like even though she tried to intervene like it didn't like he still ended up dying so she again like tries to go back and like meddle with their lives and she goes to Telemachus and she's like hey bro like you're next in line like I want you to like basically take over for your father and like I'm gonna give you like the world on a silver platter basically and he was like I'm good (laughs) he was like I'm actually like fine like and she was so offended. She was like, are you fucking serious? Like, well, and you're like, gonna... And, like, even Cersei was like, what the fuck is wrong with no, you? No, she was really, like, surprised because, like, Athena was gonna, like, literally rock his shit. Um, but, yeah, he was like, yeah, I'm good. And then, so she literally turns to Telegonus and she's like, yo, like, you want this? He was like, yeah, I'm gonna take it. And, like, I was shocked, yeah. but I also wasn't because no, he had, like, a wonderlust. I so. totally wasn't shocked that Telegonus wanted it and, like, wanted to go because he was, like, always trying to, like explore and like learn new things but i was honestly i was honestly shook that telemachus like said no 
because I mean he was like in his 30s like his dad had just died and I thought I mean and like the whole prophecy that was that he was gonna avenge his father's death but he really didn't because it turns out that him and I mean because obviously when Odysseus was fucking Cersei forever and he was like traveling on doing the fucking Odyssey uh he was away from Telemachus for 20 something years and so Telemachus was like I don't even know who this man is like I see him walking down the street. I don't, I don't want to know a thing. I don't even know who so that he man was is. like, I don't really need to like avenge my father's death and carry on his legacy. Like I didn't know him. And like when he did, when he was like reunited with him, like Odysseus was like really mean to him yeah. and like had a really short fuse and like yell at him all the time. And he just like didn't really jive with his dad. And yeah, he, he was just a different. He was he was his own guy. He just wasn't vibing with him. Yeah, I respect him for saying no. He was yeah. like respectfully no. Respectfully, I'll have to decline. Respectfully, fuck off. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's cool that Telegonus like took her up on it and he like was successful and like ruled his own kingdom and like was doing his thing and like he wasn't trapped on the island anymore like he Mm -hmm. didn't like he literally didn't want that yeah so i thought it was really nice that he was able to like pave his own way but it was so cool but in like a safe way so it was really like a win-win for everybody the next question we have is cersei's gift is transformation how does she transform from the beginning of the novel to the end why does she ultimately choose the path she does She's literally a completely different person. Like, obviously, we kind of talked about this already, but in the beginning, she's, like, this really insecure person who has, like, no family, and she's just really insecure with her powers and, like, doesn't feel like she belongs. And in the end, she's choosing to be mortal. Like, she's choosing to embrace her powers. She has uh, the son that she loves, and she finds love again with Telemachus, and, like, she's able to let Penelope in. And because she, like, hated Penelope for so long, mm-hmm. because, like, she hated the idea of her because she was obsessed with, like, Odysseus. And she was able to still, like, rem- like have a relationship with, like, Daedalus, Daedalus, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, like, she wasn't afraid of Athena anymore, and she stood up to her dad, and, like, she got the, like, poison tail on a stick. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, she was a baddie. No, I just loved, like, the journey of watching her, like, basically come from, like, a total pussy to, like, a bad bitch. Mm -hmm. And, like, you could literally see it happening, like, in the middle of the book. And, like, I was just cheering for her, like, the whole way. I was like, yes, bitch. Like, better work. You better work. You better work. Yeah, so I just really enjoyed, like, the come up. And I think it was a really satisfying read. I agree. The character arc was... It was 10 there. out of 10. 10 out of 10. I think she ultimately chose the path she did just because, like, I feel like she was kind of over it. And, yeah. like, there was this one quote. Hold on. Let me find it. So there's this quote about gods, basically. And she, Cersei said, I thought once that gods are the opposite of death, but now I see they're more dead than anything for they are unchanging and can hold nothing in their hands. So basically, like, she's immortal too. Like, a god would be she was like getting bored with life and like she had already done a lot like she had lived several lifetimes yeah and she was just like okay like i'm i'm kind of good and like Mm -hmm. it was sad because she lost so many mortals that were like close to her and like that were members of her family and she saw so many people like come and go and i think that would be really hard like i've seen like i know you know like Addie larue like you've seen this happen a lot where like when people are immortal they're like really unhappy because they don't get to hang on to anything and they don't have like an authentic experience like yes they're living for longer but like you're not you don't like like the people that you surround yourself make life Mm -hmm. worth living make life worth living and if you don't have that then like what's the point of living yeah like i mean we're gonna talk in a little bit too about like the books that we've read since we last did the episode but i recently read the invisible life of Addie larue and it this, this book honestly reminded me a lot of the same obviously she wasn't like invisible in cersei but like the fact that she has all these people that come and go and all these mortal people that make an impact on her life but that like are only really a small fraction of her life mm-hmm. it was really sad like in Addie larue like she gets these people for a few moments and then like it's gone and like they don't remember her and so like it makes a little impact on her life but like for the most part she's just really lonely yeah and i feel like that was like a really like that was we also saw that a lot in cersei too or like she just was tired of all the loss and i think she wanted to have the experience of like getting old and like yeah you know 
having wrinkles and like showing that you've lived and yeah just living life and yeah i think she she was she wanted to be like disassociated from her family and having that immortality connected her to her family and i think that was like the last tie that they had and she broke it Mm -hmm. so she basically said like this really dope speech to her dad at the end and she was like when you count your kids like don't count me yeah i was like period and i was like period bitch i was like good for you girly she literally was his punching bag for fucking hundreds of years yeah. and she finally stood up to him and was good like riddance. good night i'm never talking to you again um so the last question we have this was kind of a fun one but it was what would you do if you had a millennia to live on a, on a deserted island um how would you spend your time and energies i would read i would probably kill myself no, just kidding. I, w- I would swim i would tan and i would read <laughs> Yeah, I would drink, like, a lot of coconut water. I'd bring my Kindle. <laughs> um, I would invite people to come, and we could reenact Love Island. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I just I just thought that was, like, a funny question. No, I thought that was it's cute. It's corny. I don't know. I mean, it's cute to think about. But now that our discussion questions are over, this one is going to be a really quick segment because, honestly, I only want to cast, like, three people. But we're going to be doing Love You Cast It. So, once again, heavily inspired by the Redheads Book Club. We're going to be giving the Hollywood treatment, and we're going to be casting a few people. I, I think we should do Cersei. I think we should do Telemachus. I think we should do Telegonus. And I think we should do Odysseus, and that's it. Because there's way too many people. Okay, I think we should do Hermes, though. Okay. And maybe Apollo. Maybe, oh, my um, God. I, I, I Helios. can't do Apollo. I was going to do Helios. Okay, who would you pick for Cersei? If I had to do Cersei, I feel like I would do uh, Isaac Gonzalez. Okay. I see that. A dark-haired queen. I could do... I was thinking maybe, like, Gal Gadot. Yeah, or like, like, that's what I'm thinking. Like, the... A Penelope Cruz. Yeah, like just just a hottie. A baddie. And then for Telemachus, who would you... I think I would do Edgar Ramirez. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> okay, hottie. Yeah, because he's like, he's like king vibes. He like stands up for himself. Yeah. I'm like, okay, the sass. Yeah. Um. Okay, so for Telegonus. I would do Timothy Chalamet. I was literally <laughs> gonna say Timothy Chalamet. But it's like skinny boy, but like yeah. he ha- he's he has wandered. I was like Timothy Chalamet has to play he someone to, in this universe. He has to be in every movie ever. He has no, but like I feel like he's such a good period actor. Yeah, I'm like he like needs to be in it. I'm sorry. Um, who would you do for Helios? I would probably say like Chris Hemsworth. Oh, that's a good one. I would do the guy that plays President Snow in Hunger Games. Okay, he's not that old. He's supposed to be hot. <laughs> <laughs> um, i'm like i want a thor hugh jackman he, okay yeah hugh jackman yeah um who would you do for odysseus i would do uh russell from survivor <laughs> from season 20 <laughs> maybe, a short game maybe like tom cruise because he's five five <laughs> i'm trying to think i'm like who's short i know um um who was the last one that you wanted to do wasn't it oh no hermes oh hermes okay so it has to be a daddy of the year he said he had dark hair no i was gonna say he literally sounded like a fox i'm trying to think of any guys with like dark hair i need I'm someone like, like, I'm like chiseled i'm like who's the guy that plays lucifer in the show lucifer okay me ian summerholder oh wait yes okay that's mine that's mine honestly yeah i could no, see ian that no ian summerholder yeah he just has like, like chiseled scary but like he's he like because i watched the vampire diaries i don't know if y'all did but like the character i feel like of damon and hermes are like very similar they're like very mischievous and stuff so like i could see him doing that like crooked smile and just like being a hottie okay that was a lot faster than i thought next up we're going to be doing our overall rating so overall what would you rate this book if y'all follow me my goodreads account you would already know but i gave it a five out of five I gave it a five out of five as well. Yeah. So overall, our, our average rating is a five. Wow. It, it, it would be way more fun if there was more people, but maybe <laughs> one day in the future we'll like pick a book with like Kelsey or like, I'm like we should have Nate on. Next up, our next segment is talking about the other books that we've read. Okay. The first book that I read, well, so we're going to be going after the books that we read after then she was gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be obviously a lot shorter because we're going to be doing them obviously every month. But first book I read was They Both Die at the End by Adam Silvera. So good. Some LGBTQ vibes. It was a five star for me. This is like a TikTok, a, a book talk book. So it was really good. The first one I read was Someone We Know by <laughs> um, Shari LaPena. I recommended it. Um, um i gave it a three it wasn't like blowing my mind like i thought it was i thought it was good it was just like a solid like murder mystery yeah like it was a little twisty um 
I, yeah, it was pretty short, so you could probably read it in like a day or two. But yeah, I would. I, if you want to, if you like that stuff, I would recommend it. The next book I read was Lock Every Door by Riley Sager. Sager. I think it's Sager, right? I don't know. I gave this book three stars. It was a recommendation from Meg. I honest, I honestly don't consider anything under. I consider three and above still good. Mm-hmm. Like I would still recommend. I honestly thought that this book was really great. It was just like the ending for me. I wanted it to go one way. And then there was a second twist, and it went a completely different way, which was really unique and really never been done before. But I just thought it was, too, like, too out of the box for mm-hmm. me and just really ruined it. So I gave it a three. The next one I have, which Aaron also read, so I guess don't read this one. We can collab about it. Um, Summer of 69 by Elin Hildebrand. So um, good. She's the queen of, like, summer reads. She lives in Nantucket and like all of her books take place in Nantucket. So it's honestly just a fucking vibe. Yeah. This book was really cute. And again, if you like history, I recommend that you read this book. It does take place in 1969, like during the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was just like a lot of historical things going on during that period. And I just think it was like a really good read. Yeah. They talk about like the moon landing and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was really good. The next book I read was The Rumor by Elin Hildebrand. Would not recommend. I gave it two stars. I just thought it was really lame. It was basically like these two best friends and their husbands are best friends. But like one of the girls is cheating on her husband and her best friend knows about it. And it was just like really awkward and I found her like really whiny and annoying. So I would definitely skip this one. Period. The next one I have was a recommendation from Erin. It was The Last Mrs. Parrish. Um, I gave this book five stars. I thought it was really entertaining. Fun fact, the authors of this book came to our local Barnes Noble and we were able to get signed copies of their books. So, so fun. That was pretty fun. They're just the coolest. Next book that I read was The Girl Before by J.P. Delaney. So good. I heard this recommended by a lot of people I follow on YouTube. Really great futuristic smart house vibes. It was really good. I gave it five stars. The next one I have is Sharp Objects by Jillian Flynn. This book fucking sucked. We're going to collab on this. Um, we read it for a book club. It was literally horrendous. I gave it a two star. I gave it two stars. The only um, reason I gave it two and not one is because it was about like Munchausen's by proxy and I've never read That a book was like the that. only thing that was interesting about the book. Yeah. Everything else was like literally terrible. Apparently it's an HBO show. I don't, I'm not really interested or, in watching. Yeah, so I'm just like not. And Amy Adams is in it and I don't and love Amy like Adams, so. Next up, I was feeling a little bit nostalgic, so I read Divergent. Um, (laughs) um, I forgot you did that. Like, it was obviously good. Like, it's a fine book, but the ending wrapped up a lot quicker than I remembered it, and I just felt like it was really weird and just kind of unanswered for Mm. still Daddy of the Year, Theo James. I gave it a three. I feel like Theo James could low-key be in Cersei. Yes, 100%. Also, um, guys, they're making Cersei like a mini-series on HBO. Cute. So I'm excited. I just remember that book being a lot better than it was. Also, I just feel like the movie was like honestly pretty good. And I liked like the cast that they chose. Honestly, yeah. I loved like everyone they chose. The so. other movies though are bombs. Yeah, don't don't so. watch. But that Divergent was good. No, I know. Like fucking what's his face? Miles Teller and Theo James and um, like Shailene Woodley. No, and then Ashley Judd. Yeah. And Oh, Tony Goldwyn. Tony Goldwyn. I couldn't think yeah. of his name. I fucking love him. Good choice. I feel like he could also be in Cersei was. Yeah. <laughs> You like what? Me talking to the casting director. Oh, did he? Um, the next one was also a recommendation from Aaron, oh but God, it was Emily it was Sego. like, but it was like a joke though because this, <laughs> this book was really bad. Fuck, sorry. Um, it's called "You Are Not Alone" by Greer Hendricks. It is probably the worst book I've ever um, read. I did love "The Wife Between Us," which was also by them. That book is fantastic. This book was fucking horrible. Um, I gave it a two. I like made her read it just to make sure that like I wasn't crazy. Yeah, because like. I've also seen other people rate this book high. Like, hold on, let me see. So, on Goodreads, it has um, 50,000 ratings and then 6,000 reviews. And it has a 3.76, which, like, isn't bad. Like, usually the books that I feel like we read are anywhere from, like, 3.7 to, like, 4.2 like or 3 or something. So, it's, like, generally in that. So, like, this is in my range. Yeah. But it just was really, like... It just flopped for yeah, me. It, it just, just wasn't it good. It was just so stupid. Like, the plot lines were just so dumb. Yeah, and, like, it was... It gave me, like, very, like, girl boss, like, Taylor Swift, like, squad goals. Yeah, like, bad blood. <laughs> I was like, oh. Ocean's like, 11. I was like, this is just not... <laughs> it, it was so It lame. was so unfortunate, and, and I And there's, like, it. this huge plot twist, and, like, it didn't do anything. I just like, didn't I care. Like, I didn't care about any of the characters. I was like, okay... 
next book I read was Everything I Never Told You. Heavy, heavy suicide ideations, actual suicide. Basically, it's like this girl and she's in high school and she's like the perfect daughter, everything. And she has a lot of pressure from her parents and she kills herself. And it was just really graphic and really sad. I did give it four stars because it was honestly really beautiful, but it was just really hard, especially coming from somebody who's had suicidal ideations in the past. It was really triggering, but I thought it was still really good. So I gave it four stars. Sounds like that book would be my 13th reason. Yeah, so I will not <laughs> do be, not read. I will not. It was be really good, but book. do not read. <laughs> the next one I had was a cheesy rom-com it was so cute i still want aaron to read this book um it's called to serve with love i gave this book four stars actually i said 4.5 it's just like about this woman who like owns a champagne shop in new york and it was just so tiny um yeah i really liked it it was corny it was something i needed because i had read like three (laughs) shitty books in a row and i was like dude i was like i was looking for some i was like i was like i literally don't think i can read ever again so i had to pick up the like the fluffiest book i could find it ends up being cute it's like a brand new book so i liked it exciting Next book I read was Firefly Lane. I watched the show over quarantine and it was so good. So I was really excited to read this and I've loved Kristen Hanna, but I don't know. I just flew through the first 50% and I really loved it, but the second half is completely different from the show and I honestly hated the second half. I thought the show was way better, so I gave it a three. Yikes. Um, the next one I have is The Four Winds by Kristen Hanna. I'm, I'm bringing this that, um, this weekend when I go dog sitting um, to read. This was one of the best books I've read in a long time. Um, I gave it five stars. Obviously, it was literally iconic. Um, it was hard to read. Like, I think you have to be in, like, the right mind space to read it because I literally cried, like, 12 times. Yeah. Um, it has a lot to do with, like, body image and, like, family issues. And then also, like, it takes place during the Great Depression in, like, Texas. And there was, like, a drought. And these people are farmers and, like, their crops are dying and like they're literally starving to death so it was it was rough like it was it was hard to read um but it was honestly like a good like rags to riches story so rags on a, to riches. yeah it was from it was riches to rags to riches <laughs> rags um it, yeah it was just a good it was a really good story if you like historical fiction i would definitely pick this up Next book I read was The Maidens by Alex Michael Lady. I kind of already talked about this. Great if you love Greek mythology. The twist literally got me. I was in the car with Megan. I literally gasped out loud. I gave it five stars. Um, the next one I have is I Am Pilgrim by Terry Hayes. Please do not read this book. I didn't. I could not finish it. It was horrible. I'm still going it's to. It's my but... first one star book. Um, it was so misogynistic. And like he would only like refer to female characters as like their body parts like he like he called this one woman wonder bra <laughs> like i i just like i couldn't get past it it was so sexist and it was just like you could tell it was like this white guy who like thought he was literal hot shit and yeah. i was just like i cannot like i don't read books written by men like 90 no, percent of the time don't. We, because we i notice. i can hear their voices in my head and i hate it the only man i read books by is alex michaelides thank you no i just i can't it's just not it's just not good i don't know i hated it the next book i read was red white and royal blue i've been thinking about this recently i don't know why it's just like on my brain it was so good it was honestly like obviously really corny at times but i honestly just like i still think about them and like root for them four stars it was really good it, it was a book talk book and i really i would really recommend next one i read is cersei i don't know if you guys have ever heard of it <laughs> um just kidding i literally just talked for an hour about it but yeah that was the next book i read uh, I just have a few running over this, so I'm just going to go through them really quick. Next one I read was The Good Sister. I It was recommended on the Redheads podcast, like the book club podcast. I heard really good things about it, especially they said that it would be good if you'd read Verity before by Colleen Hoover. Loved it. The ending pretty much shocked me. I gave it four stars. Next up, I read The Push. This is one of my favorite books I've read in a while. Trigger warning, I would not recommend if you want to be a mother in the next, like, year or so. It's basically about this woman who doesn't want to be a mom, and she gets pregnant, and, like, it's about her, like, her, like, literally hating her daughter and her hating her life. Um, so, but I th- really thought it was amazing. Next up, I read All Your Perfects by Colleen Hoover. Colleen Hoover's books are really a hit or miss for me. They're really fucking corny, but sometimes they can be good. I thought this book was really good, and I was rooting for them for a while, but then when I was explaining this book to our roommate Kelsey, I realized that the main character was honestly really toxic, and I was like, this is really bad, so I gave it a three. 
Next, I've ever read Addie, um, The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. This is my favorite book of all time. I gave it five stars. It was amazing going into it. It's very long. So if you're going, like, you really just have to give it a chance, but it's so worth it. Next, I've ever read The Stranger in the Mirror. This is by Liv Constantine. I also got a signed copy of this. This one wasn't as great as The Last Mrs. Parrish. I gave it three stars. Next up, I read The Wife Upstairs. I've never read Jane Eyre before, but basically this is supposed to be the modern retelling of Jane Eyre. I thought it was so good, and I was honestly shocked. Like, I was, like, gasping, and I gave it four stars and thought it was really great. And then my last book that I read most recently was Circe. Okay, me. I had one after I read Circe. It was, such, it was called Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. Um, this book was, I thought, was really cute. Um, it's definitely fun if you're, like, a 20-something um also if you're a black woman you should definitely read this book um i think it highlights a lot of things that like they're going through right now and also i think if you're a white woman you should read this book because it points out literally like what not to do um and yeah i don't know it kind of reminded me of like a modern version of like the help Mm -hmm. but like with less like it didn't take place in the south and it like wasn't as racist but like there still was like definite racism yeah but yeah it was a good book but yeah uh overall i thought that this book was really great and next up i'm going to announce my pick for next month's book club my pick for august book club this is going to go up the first thursday in september malibu rising by taylor jenkins reed and i'm really excited this book is really hot right now meg has never read the seven husbands of evelyn hugo Ugh. i'm also i think this weekend i'm also going to read daisy jones and the six so i'm really mm-hmm. excited i have so many books i'm going to read this weekend because i'm going dog sitting i just like can't find a lot of books by taylor g what's it what's taylor, taylor? jenkins reed I, that was it i was like fuck um i can't find a lot of books because like they're honestly really popular and they're hard to find every time i go to the library they're not there um i've been to a couple bookstores they didn't have malibu rising um i was actually at the airport recently because i went to miami and i snagged the last copy on the shelf so exciting it was hardcover which isn't my fave but i'm still thankful that i was able to get it I'm so excited. So So, we'll use that for book club. Yeah, so we're going to be reading that for the month of August, and we really hope that you guys will read along with us. We're going to make sure to post on Instagram as well so you guys can see it. And without further ado, we will see you guys on Monday. Love you, mean it. Love you, read it. Love you, read it. Sorry, God.